Hello coders, welcome to episode 139 of the How to Code Well podcast. I am not live today, our internet is super patchy today, so I've decided just to not even try, and uh, I'm going to do this raw through the power of OBS, save it locally, and then push it up. Whether this is going to go out in the, you know, tomorrow, as it usually does, I don't know. So <laughs> just have to bear with me. Today, I want to talk about shopping carts. Today, I want to talk about the complexities of shopping carts. Before we do, let's get into the change log. So there was no live stream tonight, obviously, bad internet. So I do apologize. It's going to be a bit weird tonight because there's no feedback from you lot. So I could be rabbiting on and rambling on and, you know, all of that stuff. So I do apologize. I'll try and keep it nice and short and tight. Okay. The second point is, unfortunately, no PHP short either this week. Um, this is because I've been super busy. I have recorded it. However, I just haven't had the chance to create a thumbnail and do the upload and all that stuff. So that will be coming next Monday. This is on the mixed data types in PHP 8. It's a, a YouTube short. So apologies for that. I dropped the ball. What we did do, however, is we did document the seventh left lesson, blah, 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 seventh a lesson of the new PHP course that I am doing. It's all about logging in and logging out, getting into a secure area using PHP. And the seventh lesson included a little bit of TDD, some array nesting and some PHP 8 array shapes. So that's pretty cool. We have roughly, I would say, three lessons left to document. And then once I've done the whole documentation, what we're going to do is I'm going to rebuild the course from scratch using a Ubuntu box. And then I'm going to go through the whole documentation, make sure that there's no gaps missing. And then after that, we're going to do the same thing using a Windows box. That means that hopefully all gaps will be covered and it will be a nice, nicely built course for both Windows people and Mac and, uh, and Linux. So that recording will be happening hopefully in the next, in the coming few weeks, once I have the, the, these passes done. Okay. So, uh, V1 writes in and says, uh, he's got a problem on posted variables. Um, this is a comment on the PHP, how to get PHP array keys tutorial. I put a link in the show notes below V1 writes, that he's having problems trying to get posted variables, one of which has a key of name and it cannot be accessed. The error they're getting, he's getting is an undefined array key name. Now, as this is a posted variable, I would suspect what's happening is the posted variable hasn't been assigned the key yet because I'm kind of guessing here, but I would imagine that the, the variable hasn't been or the posted variable hasn't been set, meaning that the the, sub, the form submission, if you're doing it through the form, hasn't been submitted yet. So by default, the posted variables are empty. It's a it's an array of empty variable or, or an, an empty array, I should say. And by the sounds of it, it hasn't been set yet. So what I would do is I would check if the form has been uh, submitted first. And then once you've made that check, once you've established that the form has been submitted, then I would, um, 
check if the or if, if the variable has been set. Um, I show how to do this in this new course, so do feel free to drop in on one of the live streams. Um, this will be happening each Tuesday, so feel free to jump on on a Tuesday evening around sort of eight o'clock ish in the GMT space. And uh, give me a shout out on the comments on the live stream and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll walk you through it. Okay, so Zed Maggi <laughs> mentions on the Silas e-commerce platform live VOD. This is in the archive channel. Again, I'll put links to this in the show notes too. Um, <laughs> he mentions that I should, uh, I have gone through every single error in life. <laughs> what a pain. Now, this is a comment on this particular video, and I remember it well. In fact, I was considering just dropping this whole sort of VOD. I did it live on, on Twitch, and it was setting up the Silas, Silius, Cyrus e-commerce platform, and I was having so many issues with it. I just struggled. I can't remember how long the live stream was, but... Oh, I felt so embarrassed at the end of it because, hey, I've been in this industry for, for 20 odd years and I just couldn't couldn't do it. I think in the end I achieved it, but we're talking about hours worth of pain that I went through in order to get it set. Now, a couple of years ago, I would have probably deleted that video. Um, but I've kept it on because of the point that Zed Maggi has raised here that I've gone through every single error. Uh, what a pain. This shows that it doesn't matter how many years of experience you've got in, in PHP or web development in general, you're going to have issues with setting things up, setting projects up, or just doing things in general in, in web development. Web development is extremely hard. And this video, I'm so glad someone's picked up the pain on this. This video demonstrates how difficult things can be and how challenging things are. And also the steps it documents or sort of video uh, documents the steps that I went through to debug the various issues that I had. And we're talking issues upon issues upon issues. So if you want to watch me really struggle on something, go and check out that video. I'll put it in the show notes below. Okay, so let's move on to the actual meat and gravy of the uh, episode today, and that is shopping carts are hard. They are incredibly hard. Now, what I've done is I've created sort of a... a <laughs> A list, if you will, or several lists of the various questions one has to ask in terms of a technical question one has to ask before they actually venture into building shopping carts. Oh, so this is kind of the space that I'm swimming in at the moment, e-com, um, e-commerce space. And I've, I've worked in this sort of space for a while. I've sort of jumped in and out of, say, charity type sites and, and other sites, uh, bank sites and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm back into the e-com space. And it just made me realize how difficult this is. It hasn't become easier. <laughs> in fact, I think e-com has become more and more difficult as the years go on. And from a, from an end user point of view, it has to be incredibly frictionless, as in the quickest point of entry 
to get a user to purchase something is exactly what you want. So making the steps from just jumping on the website, choosing a product and then submitting the payment details and off it goes. If that is as quick as possible, then that is, that is the, the gold, right? That's the, that's the, 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 the goal that everybody wants to achieve all e-com uh, systems want to achieve the quickest way to make a sale. That's pretty much it. As well as the quickest way in order to encourage the user to increase the amount of products that they're purchasing at once. So in- incentivize them. Okay. So I've, I've decided to create like a, 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 some categories of questions, shall we say? Um, we've got current, we've got shipping, currency, users, product, checkout, and other items. So these are just very few questions. All right. But there are many, many more. So let's start with shipping. So will you be shipping a physical good? And if so, will the shipping be dependent on user location? Will shipping be based on the item's weight? So, for instance, if you're shipping something that is really light um, or versus something that is incredibly heavy, is there any different shipping rules? You don't want to screw yourself over by saying that you've got a standard shipping rate and yet you're on one hand, you're selling a load of really light items, but then you're selling some really heavy items and you are having to pick up the bill because you're having to send out really heavy items compared to your light items. I've worked on things before where uh, we were sending out pallets of goods. <laughs> so it wasn't a case of how many uh, are is a customer purchasing. It's how many pallets of those things is a customer purchasing. And you then have to break up, you know, the weight of the, of the single item versus the weight of the, of the pallet, you know, and then you have thresholds of, of weight, so, yeah, it's an incredibly complicated thing when you start delving into shipping. So will the shipping be dis- discounted on certain uh, regions? So, for example, if you're shipping to a very close region that is close to the warehouse in which you've got the products, is that going to be cheaper than shipping it abroad? That kind of stuff. Uh, will uh, Will there be discounted shipping based on quantity? So, for instance, if you buy five of one thing, is that going to be cheaper than buying two of one thing or one of one thing? How is that going to work out? Uh, will there be quantity, uh, quantity based limits on the different regions as well? So perhaps you can send multiple things out to your current, uh, country that you're in, the warehouse is in, but in terms of shipping them abroad, that's another story. And maybe Due to regulations and stuff, you can only ship a certain quantity per customer, maybe. Okay, so shipping, just in general, is incredibly different, difficult. When you start delving into things like shipping rates and uh, different weights and quantities and regions and currencies and all of that jazz, it starts getting incredibly, incredibly, incredibly difficult. And that is just one aspect. <laughs> of what makes a shopping cart. The other one is currency. So (laughs) 
what currency will you be offering? Will there be any kind of conversion rates that you have to make? And how is that applied? How are you going to track that? How are you going to get the conversion rates and update that? Um, how will you how, sorry, what are the, I've got text implications. What are the tax implications for this? Um, certain goods are taxable and certain goods are not taxable. Certain goods are taxable in certain regions <laughs> and not in others. <laughs> so that puts another layer, layer of comple complexity on top. Um, so how are you going to calculate and recalculate tax? You've got, also got to remember that you're you're allowing customers to add and update their shopping cart as they go. So are you going to say that you're going to calculate tax right at the end of, of the shopping cart journey, or are you going to be calculating on the fly? I know that some sites give an estimate of tax, whereas some sites would prefer to wait until you've actually put in your shipping details, because in some cases you also have shipping tax that you need to apply to. I know some sites have some sort of, you know, generic rule that's kind of a catch-all rule and they are aware that they are going to have to make a loss on certain places um, and certain products, but that's just an easier way perhaps of, of, of selling stuff. Okay. Let's speak about the users. So we've talked about shipping and currency, only two very small parts of a very big puzzle. But what about the actual user? Okay, so will the user be required to log in before shipment? So before, before, um, go, going to the shopping basket, I should say. So don't, don't worry about shipment. So will they need to log in? Will they need to have an active verified account before they even get to the checkout? That is a barrier of entry, but it actually gives you some some hard evidence that the user says they are who they say they are, which means that the 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 I was going to say shipping the shopping cart experience is actually smoother in some re uh, regards because the user has actually logged in. Not a lot of people like that. A lot of people prefer to have the user to be in a sort of an awaiting verification state, if you will, and then go through to checkout. Uh, but in some cases, you may need to verify that the user says they are who they say they are, verify their email address is is correct, as in send them an email that they have to click a link on in order to verify that the email address is correct. In some types of shop in terms some types of payment gateways a an email of your customer is very much required you can't just have a blank email or an email that could be what the user says that it could be but sort of unverified on your on your end um payment gateways like stripe for instance they'll just use whatever you send them right so you're, you're now going to have to to work out how are you going to update that record on stripe's end or whatever payment gateway gateways end if they were to change their email address in the future or you know if you get a, a phone call from you know a customer service call and Someone just on the end of the phone says, ah, I've just placed this order, but actually I've gone and typed in a load of stuff wrong. How are you going to deal with that? And how are you going to send that information off to the payment gateways or whoever you're going to use 
that handles the uh, the payments. So integration there, a bit of integration. How are you going to deal with that? Okay, will there be teams or individual accounts? <laughs> so in some places, that in some shopping carts, you can purchase, say, access on an individual level or a team level. And how are you going to verify that? In some places with teams, it's done by our email address. So it's invite. So you purchase a bunch of slots for the user or slots for each user. Say you've got five slots, five users. And then that main user that has purchased the team thing can then send invites out to those other five users. And then, and, 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 and that's it. But still, I mean, that's really compl- that's co- a complicated thing. Okay, well, you require a user to be verified before making a purchase. I've already mentioned that. Some places like, yeah, I've already mentioned that. So users, another area of very complicated, sort of a complicated landscape there. Let's talk about the product. Let's talk about the product. So is it a digital good? So is it a, uh, not a physical good? Is it a digital good? And like, for example, on the How to Code Well site, howtocodewell.net, my digital goods are courses. And this is one of the courses that we're currently building at the moment is the PHP 8 logging course. That is a digital good. There's no stock, so to speak, for it. But if it's a physical good, that, that good needs to be stored somewhere. The stock needs to be tracked. So how will you record and monitor stock flow? Uh, how will you record or display, I should say, out of stock messages? So how are you going to display that on the page? What happens when someone puts a load of stuff? I, I'm, I'm always doing this. So on Amazon, for instance, I'm always putting in a load of stuff in my shopping cart and then leaving it for days. <laughs> leaving it for days and then coming back to it and then maybe perhaps creating another cart or something. What are you going to do with stock if it changes in those days? You're going to have to sort of reevaluate the shopping cart um, when when the user gets to that point. Again, an incredibly difficult difficult thing to to sort of to cope with when you've got users like me who like to come up with these fantasy shopping carts and then just leave them. <laughs> I suppose that would be technically classed as an abandoned cart. However, in some cases, I will go back and then, you know, purchase the products or remove certain things. But still, you need to work out stock and quantity. You then you have a sort of a tentative quantity of stock. You know, there are X amount of of users that have this product in the shopping cart, but they haven't done anything with it yet. So what does that mean? (laughs) What does that mean? Okay, so. Can products be bundled together, right? So can a product be bundled together? And this is more about the incentive kind of stuff. So are you saying that this product is related to this product or is this product recommended with this product or customers of this product have also purchased this? Are you going to display this, this uh, set of, of, of products of um, upselling? Are you going to display that before or after the checkout? So are you going to display that once checkout has been processed and it says, you know, you may also like to purchase this, or are you going to display that on a page before the actual payment? I actually find it really annoying when it's displayed 
before the payment, especially if the the site is aware that I've already looked at the products that they're recommending me. (laughs) There's a reason why it's not in the basket. So yeah, how are you going to deal with that? Um, How are products removed from the cart? So how are you going to remove a product from the cart? How are you going to deal with all the kind of calculations that you need to work out when you remove a product from the cart? We're talking um, obviously price. We're talking tax. We're talking any kind of shipping kind of weightage kind of calculations, shipping rates there, because obviously you've removed something from the cart, which means that it's the cart is actually lighter if you're having to deal with weight rules. Um, how are products updated in the cart as well? So the reverse of this. So when you go and add or 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 update the quantity of a particular um, item in the cart, that obviously needs to fire off um, recalculation rules. And then let's talk specifically about the checkout. So what happens when a logged out user accesses the checkout page? So at this stage, they don't have a shopping cart. They've just accessed the, sh- the checkout page. Is that allowed? And what happens when, if that, if that is allowed, what happens? Um, what happens to abandoned carts and how do you define an abandoned cart? Now, this is actually quite an interesting, um, part of this puzzle because when you, when you're creating a shopping cart journey, and you're dealing with users that haven't yet logged in. They, there's no account for this particular user. How are you going to generate the shopping cart? What are you going to record that against? Usually this is done in, say, a, a, if this was in PHP land, it'd be done in a PHP session. And then at the point in which the account is created, that session would then be saved against that user. So, that's how that kind of handshake would work. But what happens when the there's no user? <laughs> what happens when it's just a session ID? So it's just an abandoned car and you don't know really who it, who who's it for. It's actually a useful metric to have for, for analyzing your customer's behavior. But how are you going to deal with that? What, what, you know, you've got nothing really to save that against. It's, it's a, it's an order with no user. And then it got to checkout and it was left. So how are you going to deal with that? Um, what define, and, and, and so this, this is the question of what defines an abandoned cart. You know, is it an abandoned cart because there's no user against it or, or is it an abandoned cart because there is a user against it and the user has decided to, to just, drop it. I also know places where you can actually create, if you're logged in, you can create sort of wish lists. I mean, Amazon does this wish lists, which are essentially shopping carts saved sort of in a sort of virtual state, if you will. And you can then apply all your wish, your wish list items back to a cart. I suppose that's one way of dealing with abandoned carts or wish lists, I suppose you would call them. Um, okay. So at what point does the cart get saved to the database? And at what cart point does the user get associated to that database record? They're all questions that uh, need to be asked and answered before the flow can actually be created. And we haven't even touched upon things like refunds, subscriptions, and cancellations. <laughs> so shopping carts are incredibly incredibly difficult. And I would love to hear from anybody who's listening 
who has had experience with other questions that they've had to ask themselves about shopping carts. Maybe they, they've had an experience, uh, a story that they can tell uh, on some weird requirement that they've had to deal with. You can, you know, make it as generic as you as you can, you know, for for obvious reasons. But it would be interesting to see w- what else is 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 there. What other things that people have to deal with? I'm sure that there's various different considerations for different industries where you where you have an e-commerce element to it. As I mentioned um, before, I was doing things with say weights and pallets and stuff like that and shipping, and that was a really tricky because we needed to get the user's um, postcode <laughs> before we actually gave them a price, <laughs> which meant that the user needed to have an account with an address, with a postcode, which we needed to look up to verify. And then we had like, it was, it was nuts, like some sort of um, uh, table of various postcodes versus um, various weight limits versus various prices and different thresholds and stuff. And it just got incredibly, incredibly difficult. This is why people use tools like Silas. I think it's called Silas or uh, WooCommerce or other e-com platforms. My experience with those, however, is that it's not a one size fits all. And usually what happens is the e-commerce, the, the, the clients need something that is more bespoke than just an off the shelf e-com platform. There never really is an e-com, an off the shelf e-com platform that I've used that has actually ticked every single box. There's always been some sort of nuance, some sort of alteration that I've had to either do to the framework or just, you know, shoehorning something in to make the thing work the way I want it to work. There is some really flexible, really flexible um, shopping carts out there. Silas is one of them. However, the more flexible the shopping cart is, the more complicated it is to configure. (laughs) So for example, you may not require shipping rates. You may not require, um, sort of very, you know, a whole gamut of different payment gateways. I mean, we haven't even talked about payment gateways yet. That's a huge element of, of, uh, the shopping cart sort of space It's like, are you going to allow different payment gateways into your thing? Are you going to allow Google pay, Apple pay? Is it going to be a card payment, PayPal payment? Are you going to use cryptocurrencies? What are you going to actually have for payment and all of those require different levels of charges so how are you going to calculate that <laughs> uh, yes it is just thinking about it is just making me a little bit stressed <laughs> so i apologize today for not doing this live i'm going to put this out whenever i got internet access so it might might not come tomorrow um so i do apologize with about that but i'm i will strive to get online this weekend it will probably be saturday rather than sunday because uh, we're doing some man trailing with uh, murphy murphy my english springer spaniel man trailing if anybody doesn't know is search and rescue training so that's what we do on uh, on some sundays one being this sunday so if i am online it will be on twitch this saturday probably around 2.30, but I'll let everybody know via the Twitters. So if you haven't done so, please follow me on at, or at how to cope well. 
And you can listen to the rest of the podcast episodes on places like iTunes and Spotify. Just look up How to Code Well and you'll get the podcast there. Thank you ever so much for listening and eventually watching whenever I publish this to YouTube whenever I can. (laughs) Thank you ever so much. Happy coding, everybody, and take care. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.